Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. In this series, we're going to be tackling really what we can expect from God. God wants each individual to make breakthroughs. And what, is that, what do I mean by that? I mean, we are one way in our faith. We are one way as people. We are one way as humans. And often we feel like we have hit a wall. And sin does that. Regret does that. Um, I, I, I'm a strong believer that debt does that. That's why Lisa and I are so uh, uh, excited about something like Financial Peace University. Because I know uh, one of the greatest <clears throat> causes of divorce, that wall that people can't get through to keep a, a marriage going, is often financial walls. And they need a breakthrough. There's all kinds of breakthroughs. I'm going to take four people over the next four weeks <clears throat> in Scripture. So I'll just I'll read the, the synopsis. It's a four-week series encouraging every person to experience breakthroughs. Wherever you are today, you can have a breakthrough. We're going to highlight four people from the Gospels who experienced a personal breakthrough that completely changed their life. If I polled the audience today, I'm sure that there's testimonies. I'm looking at a few people who had breakthrough, right? Right, Winslow? Breakthroughs in your life. Different times in your life. There's breakthroughs that happen. And you, 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 you can, I guarantee there's a moment that you're thinking about right now where you had a breakthrough with God. Well, I want you to have more victories. I want you to have more breakthroughs. I want you to go from death to life in certain situations. All right? So, Jesus can take any life at any stage and make it a monument of grace. I love talking about grace. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Stop. That's what Jesus did. That's what God did. He came to give you a breakthrough. Why? Next verse. God did not come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Maybe you've been saved before. Maybe you came to uh, a, a personal a uh, decision to make a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but you're still struggling with things, and you need a breakthrough today. We're going to talk about it. Today, <clears throat> week one, is entitled Restoration. Restoration. And the big idea for this message is this. No matter the failures of our past, Jesus offers forgiveness and restoration to all who can receive it. Receive it. That's an important part of it. Okay? You can offer somebody something. You could offer somebody, uh, wouldn't it be awesome if somebody came to you and said, I'm going to pay off your mortgage. 
<clears throat> Everybody said, is that on the table today? Can I get a little bit of... Uh, what if somebody said that? You would be insane to not receive it. But people do that to the gift of God every single day. He wants to give you breakthroughs, but you have to be able to receive it. Okay? We all struggle and fail. Deal with it. Acknowledge it. We all struggle. We all fail. Get over it. It happens. Don't let it bog you down. The struggles we experience are evidence that we desperately need Jesus. As Christians, many times we fear that we are not able to measure up or please God. The kind of thinking can entrap us and make us feel stuck. I've been there. Maybe I'm the only one. Anybody else been, felt stuck? They felt like they weren't, they weren't measuring up? See, we're going to look at the life of Peter today. This account of Peter's restoration gives us hope if we can receive it. We find that God is not measuring us up. He's not measuring us up. He's not doing that. He saved us from being, having to be measured up. Christ fulfilled all the law because we couldn't. In salvation, Christ gives us his righteousness. Think about this for a second. Christ gives us his righteousness in exchange for our sinfulness. I have to say he gets the bad end of the deal. (laughs) He gives us his immense righteousness and we give him dirty rags of sinfulness. That's what he did. God came into the world not to condemn the world. Remember, don't be condemned today. You can't live in condemnation. You've got to live in the grace of Jesus Christ. He didn't come for that. He came so that you might have breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Peter's at the end of his rope. He messed up badly. No sooner had he finished insisting that he would not betray Jesus, that he would even die for Jesus, than he betrays him three times. He denies ever knowing Jesus and then calls down curses. Wow. Adamant. Filled with shame and hopelessness, Peter goes back to what he knew. Fishing. All right, John chapter 21. We're going to be in this chapter all morning. We're not moving from this chapter. See, whenever you can just read it and keep your thumb in that spot because we're going to come back to it. We're going to dissect this passage of Scripture pretty intensely today. So he's, he's, uh, he's seen Jesus resurrected Christ and he has... Um, had food with him, he's interacted with him, but this passage of scripture indicates that Peter feels that he has forfeited his calling. He's excited about the resurrected Christ, yeah, he, he, he believes, not that he's, I, don't, I, don't, I think we have to understand here that I don't think Peter believes that he's not a, a Christian, or what they would call, they didn't even call him Christians at that point, but a believer in Christ, saved by the, I think he believes that he doesn't measure up, and that he has forfeited his calling. 
He goes fishing. Let's read it. John 21, 1 through 17. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. That's the intro to it. Here we go. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I love that statement. I just picture them all in a room, just frustrated out of their mind, not knowing what's next. I can't take this anymore. I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm separating myself from the tension. I'm going to uh, throw myself into something that I can self-medicate with, and I know fishing. I don't know about you, but my preferred self-medication is like a Big Mac or something like that. I know eating, <laughs> right? I, I, you know, if, if I'm getting like a little bit blue, or something, I just want to eat something. Bring me to bears, you know, and let's just get a, you know, what do they call those, a bear attack? It's like basically a heart attack on a plate, but it's called a bear attack, and it pretty much does the same thing. Um, but I, we all have our ways of coping. Am I right? Or, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe you're holier than me, and you guys, when you get down and depressed, you just, you just get, you know, you get in your quiet place, and you get with God, and you have this really, and then five minutes later, you're back. Not my story. I don't know. Maybe it's yours. I hope it's yours. But we all have our, our natural and some, most times unhealthy ways of coping, right? So Peter says, I'm going fishing. And that sounded like a pretty good idea to the rest of the crew because said, they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What he thought was his thing, right? I know fishing. Abject failure at that too. He's realizing that all that he has to offer, even in the natural, is pretty pathetic. Now Peter hears the voice of Jesus. Verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. (laughs) He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now, this is a this is a point of reference for the disciples because this has happened before. Okay? This is a point of reference. This is where they go, the light bulb goes on. It must have been like early morning, just, you know, kind of in that period of time where it's kind of hard to, the sun's just coming up, it's kind of hard to see. They didn't recognize who it was. But as soon as they had this point of reference, oh, wait, this has happened before, and when this happened before, Jesus was around. So it starts to click. That disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, who's the writer of this gospel, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard 
that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Now this is a very interesting passage, because that, that's information that we don't need. Right? I don't need to know that he's like fishing naked. I don't need to know that. I, I, don't, I don't need to know that. Commentators will bring out that this is the reaction of human beings when we're presented in a sinful state to the divine. We want to cover up. We feel exposed. We feel vulnerable in the presence of holiness. Happened in the garden, and Peter's experiencing that right now. You'd think if he's going to jump in the water, he'd be shedding layers, not putting them on. But he, put on, he puts on his, his overgarments, and he jumps in. He, th- I love his, he threw himself into the sea. It makes it sound like he's not very like, good at it either. Like, it's not like a swan dive. It's like, Never one to hold back, Peter puts on his coat and swims ashore where Jesus is. Now let's just break this down. Have you ever had an awkward interaction with someone and then ran into them shortly afterwards? You know, let's give you an example. Uh, What do you say, right? Uh, Hey. Or who starts the conversation? Think of the child who slams the door on his parents and later has to sit down to dinner with them. So, how you doing? Yeah. Um, or the employer who has to reprimand an employee and then runs into them in the grocery store that afternoon. Hey, you. How are you? Did I go X next aisle? The next aisle. Oh, I'm sorry, I was walking down the wrong direction of the aisle. I love the right of ways in restaurants these days. Makes everything so efficient. I'm such a rebel too, I can't stand it. Such a rebel. I'm a grocery store rebel. If something's like close to the end of the aisle, I'm not going all the way around. No, no. This guy will break the rules. Sneak around and grab it. No, no, no. Don't get me. I just picture like, you know, there's going to be like a, one of the bobbies from England with a stick like running after me, you know. Yeah. Probably going to get fined now because it's going to go on the internet. Um, <laughs> Peter finds himself in a similar situation as he encounters Jesus, the one whom he just betrayed. It's awkward. Verse 8. The other disciples came to the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, about a football's field length. doesn't say that in Scripture, but you get my idea. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. So Peter stands before Jesus, dripping wet in all of his guilt, shame, brokenness, dysfunction, and discouragement. He's just dripping with it. Who starts the conversation? What would Jesus 
say? What would Peter say? Were Jesus' first words scolding? I mean, can you picture Jesus putting his finger in Peter's face and giving him, you know, what for? I told you, Peter, you would deny me. I was right there. I was right next to you, and you, you denied me. It's not what Jesus says. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, and I can appreciate this because it always should get the food out of the way first. No good conversations ever happening on an empty stomach. Jesus said, bring some fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net to shore, full of large fish, 153 of them actually. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. Now, None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? It's a little awkward. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and some of the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, if you look at the different times where Jesus comes and and reveals himself to his disciples, they all seem much more formal than this. It's much more the rabbi, you know, the risen rabbi, the risen Lord. You know, the, the, he's, he's appearing and disappearing, and he's, he's, he's proving to them. It's more educational. This encounter is much more relational. They don't know how to function around this entity that is Jesus Christ. I mean, they don't have the Bible to inform them that he, you know, he wrote, that, you know, we, we've read this all. They're, they're dealing with it. This is the very third time they've ever encountered a person who was dead and now is alive because it only happened once. <laughs> you can only, there's only one person who's ever gone to the grave and raised himself back up again. Right? So this is, a, this is a very unique situation. And this is like the first time we see a relational encounter. They're sitting around. They're eating food together around a fire. Um, the Bible doesn't record what, uh, was, what the conversation was or if there even was a conversation. I can picture them sitting around just, you know, all you hear is the, the straping of the plates in the, you know, you know the annoying part when you're really tired and you're sitting across the table from your spouse and all you can hear is, and the clanking of the spoon in the bowl, you know those moments where you're really annoyed? My sister and I used to get up in the morning and my parents have this story about how we just couldn't get along in the mornings. I, maybe you guys parents have experienced this, I don't know. It was just something about being awake and hating my, no, no, uh, being awake and every little annoying thing coming to the forefront. Well, I can picture them just sitting around and just being in awkward silence. But the one thing we do know, we don't know what the conversation was, but we do know is that Jesus, like he always did, served them. 
And not just the disciple that Jesus loved, not just John, not just the other guys, but he served Peter. Then after possibly a silent meal together, maybe just staring down at their food, Jesus asks Peter in verse 15 an important question. And probably an awkward one. Because there's no indication that he pulls him aside and is like, hey, Peter, I need to talk, I have a talk with you in private. He says this, hey, Peter, do you love me? Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Awkward. Do you love me more than these? So far, Jesus has done all the talking that we've, that's in Scripture, at least. And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Awkwardness building. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. From the interaction, it becomes clear that Jesus has forgiven Peter. Not only has he forgiven Peter, but he's restored to him his calling. Peter, this is what you were used to. This is the life you know. Do you love me? And, and, and we, could, we could enter that word still. Do you? I know that you loved me. But do you still love me? Do you still want to serve me? Because if you do, you have not been canceled. I still want to use you in spite of your misgivings. you realize the, 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 the connection here? Peter denies Jesus three times. And three times, Jesus requires Peter to affirm his love for him. And every single time Peter affirms his love for Jesus, Jesus commissions him to do the job he always had Peter slated for. And that is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. This is a breakthrough for Peter. Absolutely, I mean, think about it, absolutely a breakthrough. He finds himself fishing feeling disqualified and unqualified, and Jesus affirms his calling on Peter's life. The next time we see Peter speak, it's in Acts 2. And thousands of people come to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, become saved through the power 
of the Holy Spirit in their lives because Peter received the reconciliation. He was reconciled. His restoration was complete. Now, Peter's not perfect. We see that in later stories. But thousands of people were brought to salvation because he was restored. The astounding reality is that Jesus does not give Peter a dressing down over his obvious failures. He gives him grace and recovery. Redemption and reconciliation. A second chance. Rescue from himself. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We will literally argue with God that we're not qualified, that we're not good enough, that we have a past. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, but God kind of knows you have a past. It's not like, oh, really? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not qualified. I forgot about that. No, that's not how God works. When he, when he brings you into a relationship with him, he brings you in in full knowledge of who you are, where you've been, what you've done. And he says, I'm bigger than all that. Do you love me? Then let's get to work. Let's move on. Let's stop playing with the past and move into what I have for your future. It's called redemption. It's called grace. He rescues him from himself, from his discouragement. He rescues him from everything that was keeping him back. Peter's sin has already dressed him down enough. He needs a Savior to pick him back up and put hope into his future. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're feeling a little bit hopeless. Maybe you need somebody to say, I believe in you. Not because you're so great, but because God is so great. We've all had those moments, those, those mentoring moments. When I was a young teacher, children's pastor at that point, I had an encounter with a parent, a mother, who did not like the way I was disciplining her child. And uh, she came to the office and she, she gave it to me, man, both barrels. I mean, it was, it was awkward. It was damaging. Um, I'm talking like this far from my face. Finger, Lisa knows exactly the story. Uh, she's like laughing in the back because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, like this. Like I'm feeling the heat of her breath, the spit from her mouth. Yes. And my mentor is in the meeting with me. 
And it got so bad that, you know, and I was, I, I had hard time, I'll be honest with you, I didn't handle it very well. I went back at her. And I said, that's a lie. I went, I went, I, I didn't do this, but I, I disputed and I, and I, I got angry. Well, mentor shut the meeting down, and then he sat me down. And he told me that I was out out of order. What? Were you not in this meeting? Did you not see? You could still see the spit on my face. And he said to me, he said, if you had just kept your cool, then everything that you, that she said, I could have rebuttaled very easily. But when you lost it, you gave credence to what she said you were doing to her son. You need to apologize. Uh, uh, I don't want to apologize. I don't feel like I need to apologize. Guess what? It wasn't a, like, that's a good idea, you should do that. It was a demand. He was my boss. He was my mentor. I was apologizing. But I was not happy. I felt miserable. I felt like it was unfair. I felt like I didn't deserve the dressing down. And then I felt like maybe, maybe I wasn't cut out for this. Well, Remember that I was talking about those awkward moments? Well, that very day, I had the great privilege and honor of driving with my mentor on a long van journey in the van with a soccer team. Sitting shotgun. Awkward. Awkward. Well, my mentor showed up to that van with two cups of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And he gave it to me. And he said, Dave, listen, the reason I push you so hard is because I've struggled with some of the same things that you struggle with. And I want you to learn it early so you don't make the same mistakes that I made. And he restored me. I had to learn the lesson. And I'll tell you, folks, I still can be kind of a hothead. And he would say the same thing. But he restored me in a loving, caring way he, need, he knew I needed to know something, but he restored me, and he affirmed me. He said, I believe I wouldn't even bother with you if I didn't believe that God has great things for you. That's a mentor. They don't let you get away with stuff, but they build you up, and they set you on a, on a, on a higher path. And Jesus, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't ignore our sin. Do you notice that he doesn't save us from every one of our bad choices? Right? You make a bad choice, guess what? You're going to pay the consequences for that bad choice. It's just what it is. But it doesn't disqualify you from his grace, his mercy, his desire to use you, his desire to restore you. He 
loves you. And he wants great things for you and from you. We all struggle. We all fail. The struggle, struggle we experience is pure evidence that we need Jesus desperately. So what do you turn to? What, whom do you turn to when you fall and fail in life? Maybe you turn to binge-watching your favorite shows on Netflix or Disney+. Plus. Maybe you self-medicate that way. Some go straight to their friends, the, you know, the ones who would tell them exactly what they want to hear. Anybody have those friends? It's not, it's not that bad to have those types of friends. Everyone, we need one of those friends every once in a while. But, you know, the friends that are going to, not the mentor friends, the, men, the, the friends who are going to tell you what you need to hear, but the ones who tell you, you're great. <laughs> you know, that, that person is in the wrong. We, we, we love to go to those people because they make us go, oh, yeah, well, I knew that. Maybe those, that's, it, it's good to have some people that are that way, but So people beat themselves up over their sin. Some people turn to the bottle or substances. These aren't the answers. The only answer that can cure our failure is Jesus. Pastor, that is so simplistic. Are you serious? That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the answer? That's the story? We sat through 45 minutes of you talking to you. Yes. Yes. Because it's true. And it's not a simple answer. Because he is so complex. He can work into every single part of what you're going through. It's not a simple answer. If it were a simple answer, it would be like a band-aid. It's not a band-aid. Jesus is the only one who knows you enough to be able to impact you in the way you need to be impacted it's not a simple answer he was enough to save at salvation and he is enough to forgive us now within our salvation here we are like peter Dripping wet with our denial, our dysfunction, our discouragement. We are completely undeserving and incapable of saving ourselves. And there he is. Completely victorious over sin compellingly gracious toward our misery. Compassionately calling us into His amazing love. Jesus is extending grace, mercy, and love. Not just for the moment of salvation, but for every single situation you find yourself. 
extending grace, mercy, and love. That's what you can expect from your Savior. That's why He came. He didn't come to condemn you. He came so that you might be saved. Saved eternally, but saved from that thing that you're struggling with. Saved from that thing that's holding you back, that wall that is standing in front of you that He wants you to break through. That's what He saved you for and will continue to save you for, from and for. If you're able to receive it, you can be restored. If you can receive it. If you're not too proud, you can receive it. Well, I don't want any charity. Too bad, you need it. Without the charity of Jesus Christ, we are lost. So humble yourself for your maker and ask him to restore you. Even Peter struggled with it. Jesus said, you know, Peter, if you take this road and you get old, people are going to take you where you don't want to go. And the Bible says, he was saying that to indicate how Peter would die. And somehow Peter understood that. And he goes, hey, but what about John? What about John? But what about John? He said, what about John? If John should live until I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. But pastor, what about so-and-so? Don't worry about so-and-so. But you don't understand what they did to me. I don't care. Just because they did doesn't mean the grace of God is any less extended to you. I care about the situation, but I don't think that that situation disqualifies you. When we talk about this in the, in the, in the realm of past abuses that people have gone through. They feel disqualified because it's something someone else did to them. Not something that they've done. And they internalize and say, I must have done something to deserve that or I must have done something. Why? Listen. There is no place where the grace of God can't reach. There's no place where the grace of God cannot restore. There is no place there is no wall where Jesus can't break through for you. Can you receive it? That's the only thing holding you back. Is whether you can receive the grace and receive the restoration. Today could be your breakthrough. Just as it was for Peter, today he reconnected with his Savior. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just meditate today a little bit. While Sadie plays the piano, Lord, I just, I just want you to just think. Focus in. 
God heal you. Let God restore you. Maybe you need to reaffirm your love for him. Do you love me? Do you love me? You know I love you, God. Maybe you just need to say that to him. You know I love you, Jesus. What is it in your life, whether you're four or 74? Doesn't matter. We all struggle. What is in your life that where you need a breakthrough? You need God to, to reach down and restore something that's broken in your life. Lord, I ask you right now to be with my brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, in, in, in a similarly intimate way where it was just you fire and some fish in quiet conversation. And you called Peter to be restored. You didn't disqualify him. You didn't stick your finger in his face and say you're disqualified. You're canceled. You said, hey, let's get back to work here. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's put this fishing thing behind us once and for all. Let's be about our Father's business. Lord, heal. Restore. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me for just two seconds. If you would like prayer this morning, for any particular thing that you're struggling with. You need to talk to somebody. You need to um, take a few moments and express. I'm going to stay up here, and I'm going to wait for anybody who might want to come up and pray. And maybe you're a little bit shy. Maybe the issue is a little bit more serious, that you feel like you can't do it here in this place with people around. Call me. Let's get together. Let's meet. Let's start on the path to restoration with Jesus. Huh? And I'd love to be able to help facilitate that reconnection. Lord, thank you for this day. Help us to go out in power. Lord, as your Holy Spirit heals and restores. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have an awesome, awesome week. Thank you.